How we doing? And welcome back to the Esports Forever podcast. My name is Ryan B. Hebert alongside Jacob Schrader. And today we're bringing you some weekly NFT crypto and esports gaming news. But to start off first, I want to have Jacob say a few words from our sponsor. Hello, everybody. Good to be back on another Tuesday episode going over some awesome news. Today's episode and all episodes are brought to you by EMP Money. I'm actually looking at EMP Money right now. It's an awesome <laughs> gamified crypto staking uh, platform, right? So they have the EMP token, which is pegged to Ethereum at a 4,001 ratio, uh, where you can basically stake certain currency pairs, provide liquidity for the exchange uh, and benefit through their ecosystem. So they have kind of a, a fully fleshed out ecosystem for staking for lottery. Um, and basically there's a ton of ways to make money on the platform and just, you know, it's a community thing where the, the community acts in ordinance and acts together and the whole platform succeeds. Um, so you can check it out. I actually will link it to uh, the Theta stream right now, but yeah, without further ado, let's get started. You know, I have to say that it's not often that you have uh, such devoted followers to EMP money, but you've actually got someone here on the call, folks, who is literally day by day putting in the time and the effort into EMP money. He's hooked. He's hooked. And so this is not just a, a PSA to all of you to check out EMP.money, but uh, Jacob is actively partaking in EMP money on a day by day basis. I'm just a noob right now, and I'm still learning, but we'll get there. We'll get there. But besides EMP money, let's get into the news. So it turns out uh, Tuesday was the perfect day for Amazon to launch Amazon Luna, which is it sounds like at first glance when you're like, oh, what is that? Well, it's a uh, online gaming service for folks to buy into. Uh, obviously, if you have a Prime membership, uh, you get there's there are some perks with that as well. But uh, basically, you know, it's it sounds like it's Google Stadia 2.0, but the difference is is that instead of it being all inclusive uh, <laughs> with one price, you actually buy different gaming bundles on a monthly basis to buy into. So there's like a Ubisoft bundle. I think there might uh, there were some other ones on there too. They've got some notable games uh, at the start of release for this for this uh, adventurous uh, project, and they're even using and touting their Twitch integration, which obviously Amazon owns Twitch.tv, one of the largest streaming platforms in in the world, and so they're really saying, "Hey, you can play our games on Amazon Luna, and with with one button." you will be connected to Twitch. And then they were stating that if you're using Fire TV, you're able to connect to your phone and use your phone as a webcam to then send to your stream as well as you're That's gaming. Crazy. I mean, the, the technology and what's possible with this is actually insane. And so, you know, this is nothing compared to Google Stadia, which started out as, which is, and currently still is to my knowledge, a massive flop that was like, Here's a cool controller that we designed that pretty much looks like every other controller on the market. And, um, you know, play play games on the cloud. Yeah, that's totally going to happen. It's totally going to work. Meanwhile, Amazon's actually got the backing for something like this. And on top of that, they've got one of the largest streaming platforms to do it. Uh, so this, this is a really cool thing to see. And it launched in the United States today. Uh, with some free games for Prime members. So if you're an Amazon Prime member, check out Amazon Luna because uh, it looks pretty cool. 
It looks pretty cool yeah. for right now. At at release, it looks cool. It's it's crazy how much stuff they have integrated in here. I'm, I'm taking a look at the blog post you sent. Um, let me just pull it up one more time. Uh, I may have one somewhere, but like all the integrations that they have, and you know the fact that first of all, it's a it's another cloud gaming platform, right? So they didn't didn't do very well. Uh, Nvidia. Uh, I can't remember NVIDIA GeForce now, right? I think that one's done okay. It's a little bit different. NVIDIA GeForce is like almost just a technology solution. And, yeah. and you know, everything is free. Um, you know, this is a, a for-profit streaming solution, but, you know, I think the goal is for streamers to use it. Uh, you know, maybe it's it's not incredibly competitive streamers, right? Because cloud gaming does put you at a little bit of a disadvantage, um, but just all the integrations they have, right? Oh, you want to do it. You know, you want to integrate your phone, okay? You know, if you as long as you have the Fire, you know, the Amazon Fire phone, and then the fact that like the the, the Amazon Prime user base is so large, like of all the subscription networks in the, in the world, that has got to be the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, I don't know. Is that it would be an interesting thing to look up? Um, maybe I can see if I can do that. But, yeah, I I thought it was notable to just have it be first because I was like, this is this is probably the biggest thing in gaming news, especially for people who are uh, big, you know, console gamers or PC gamers as well. Heck, even mobile gamers too. You never know what the possibilities of something like this are going to be. So for right now, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, You know, I think second to this right now as well, uh, you know, we talked about how powerful Steam was last week and how Bethesda is uh, sunsetting its own launcher while... Uh, you know, uh, Steam released its own portable gaming device that is almost like a computer in your hands called the Steam Deck. Uh, and so that's that's been really popular. And so there's been images of Steam's founder, Gabe Newell, just going door to door, like delivering Steam Decks to people. It's it's funny. Very, very funny to see. But, uh, you know, that and, and this where I found were like the top two. But I think Amazon Lunar is a little bit more important than the the uh, the you know CEO of a company deliver hand delivering his own product to people, um, <laughs> lots yeah. of fun there, lots of fun there. Absolutely. Up it's next, cool yeah, seriously, it's 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 dope. Up next, we've got a BBC article talking about uh, Sid Meier, the popular inventor of the Civilization games. Jacob, have you ever been a fan of of Civ? Have you ever played? Yeah, I've played a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a crazy bit, but I've played. I would love if there was a company-wide game of Civ because I'd love to see who wins and and who loses. I mean, it and who launches the nukes. Really, I feel like, I feel like, hmm. There is. I mean, it's called uh, Risk. Not the exact. Oh, I love Risk. I love Risk. Yeah, risk but Sid Meier's is like layers deeper than Risk. Risk is. Oh, yeah. Risk has an RNG component built into it where you know the soldiers go at it right and. You know, you're going to come out on top with the roll of some dice. But Sid Meier's is in your hands completely, and your progress is, you know, partially RNG-based in the game. You are spawned next to certain resources, just like your opponents are. Sometimes you're spawned next to better resources, and sometimes you're not. So it's it's hard to tell what exactly you get versus your opponent. But anyways, Sid Meier warns against too much focus on NFTs. We're not strangers to the critique on NFTs and crypto, but I thought this was a really entertaining article, not just because this was in the entertainment and arts section on BBC.com. No, I thought this was entertaining because Sid Meier is warning against too much focus on NFTs 
because he's worried that the quality of games is going to go down because companies are focused so much on players having ownership over things within games if they were to include them within a game. You know, a lot of people say NFTs are the future of gaming. We've talked about this before. We've said, well, do we think, you know, in-game transactions, microtransactions are going to turn into me buying an NFT for a sword? I mean, we had Hexarchia on here. I said that name right, correct? Uh, no. Yeah, Hexarchia. Hexarchia, yeah, right? Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, I just, I want to I get it correct. That was like our third episode. I mean, this is, I believe this is episode 12, many, many episodes ago now. They were doing that exact thing. I mean, they had a strategy-based board game uh, online where you could buy NFT pieces of the game that are usable in the game. But Sid Meier is warning against this and saying, hey, too much focus on this and, you know, games could suffer as a whole. Gamers and the communities could suffer as a whole for the quality of games. And so... I thought it was an interesting reaction. Not sure if I agree entirely because, uh, you know, focusing on NFTs is one is one thing, but getting people to buy them is another. And so you really have to have some cool, uh, cool pro uh, NFTs to be able to. I feel like sell out because I mean sometimes people buy anything if there's hype, but uh, you never know. I, I don't know. I yeah. feel like it's definitely an interesting topic. Yeah, I don't really know why the quality of the game would go down just because they're focusing on NFTs. Yeah, uh, it shouldn't change anything about the game, right? Maybe it changed a little bit of the, the, the dynamic of what's viable and what's not. Uh, but like the core graphics of the game, that shouldn't change. The core gameplay, you know, it shouldn't really change if there's NFTs integrated. One no. thing I do think is interesting is, you know, are all of the staking mechanic, me mechanics in games, the, you know, it, itty bitty microcurrencies right, such as DEC and SPS. I understand that adds an element to the games. I understand that playing with the economy is fun and for a fully fleshed, or for a game where part of the fun is the economy, it makes sense. But I wonder if some games would be better off not having that, right? Mm -hmm. Having no mini transactions, just the fact that assets in the games are NFTs, you buy the NFTs either with crypto or credit card and that's it, right? They can increase in value because the game is fun, people like it. But keeping it simple may actually bode even better. I understand staking is, is important and it you know creates liquidity in the ecosystem and helps you know the chains flow. Um, and maybe that's necessary. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's it's a necessary component to building a game on the blockchain. Um, but that's one thought I had that kind of relates to this that, that that might make sense for future games. Yeah, well said, man. Well said. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if Sid Meier's warning is true. But uh, I, the one thing I did see from the article is that Sid Meier, he's been in the gaming space now for over 30 years, but he is not done yet. Although, you know, just like many of his other Sid, uh, Sid Meier Civilization games, specifically uh, Civ 6, you know, started out as, as a pricey game to buy. And now it's it's just like Civ 5. All the DLC come out and, you know, the base game itself is like 10 bucks or whatever. And you know, people like playing Civ, but those games, they take so much time, so much effort. And um, that's something that I feel like the gaming industry has changed a little bit. You know, I feel like there's you need to have something quicker, something that catches people's attention and doesn't keep them super, super focused and stuff for long periods of time, unless it's a story or I don't know. There's all different types of games and people follow through with these games in different ways, but I'm interested to see the continuation of Civ 6 or even just the Civilization franchise into the future because it's 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 interesting for sure.
for yeah. sure. When I when I first played, I did not know Sid Meier was a real person. I thought that was a fictional name made up to, uh, to name the game. <laughs> I mean, I I don't blame you. I don't blame you. It's it's it doesn't. I don't think it sounds like it. And the way it's spelled certainly doesn't do it any justice either. So, you're not wrong, Jacob. You're not wrong. Okay. Well, moving on, this is uh, something more focused on uh, geopolitics, but also has to do with with the like the internet and gaming alike. Um, on Twitter, uh, the Ukrainian Twitter account for the government and some like other government officials from Ukraine tweeted out to Elon Musk and were like, "Elon Musk, Russia's taking out our internet service, uh, you know, by the day here, and we're losing infrastructure. You've got Starlink satellites and the ability to to." Give us access to internet, please help. And within 10 hours, uh, Elon Musk tweeted back at them and goes, yep, uh, there are satellites now over Ukraine and I'm sending trucks with satellites to all of you for free to get access to the internet so you guys are on the grid without actually being on your own internet-based grid that you know Russia sh took down. Um, now, I, I saw some comments under this that were saying, uh, I hope this isn't a way for Russia to track people via satellite because... If Russia controls the airspace above Ukraine, uh, there are rumors that, you know, it's satellite-based uh, internet. So uh, if if the satellite that is pinging up to the satellites in space to, to Elon's technology can also partially get maybe intercepted. I mean, I feel like those signals are not different than another, another type of satellite sending out signals. So what's to stop uh, the Russians from trying to track down where those computers are pinging from? Uh, as like a new spot to send an airstrike so you know there's a lot of that's just a rumor uh, i don't know if that's true but i think that's a legitimate thing to say like yeah starlink's cool and all but if russian airspace is is over ukraine then uh well if the russians control the airspace over ukraine calling it russian airspace right that's what i'm trying to say um yeah. what is the danger in using uh the techno technology like that i don't know um yeah. i assume it'll probably be partially encrypted but i mean They've proved that cyber attacks on the Ukrainian government are, you know, are possible. So I, I wouldn't be shocked to to see the Russians try to intercept what's going on there as well. But, hey, good good on Elon Musk. Good on us, yeah. uh, capitalist I, CEO. I think it connects a little bit, you know, the whole Ukraine situation connects a little bit more to just crypto in general, right? The, the main way that Ukraine has been able to raise money, right, is through Ethereum and through Bitcoin. Right, this didn't, you know, I was really, really surprised that crypto dropped when this thing got announced. I, you know, to me, it looked like something that would make crypto go up. Uh, you know, I understand with war, you know, money is short and, and, and that just as a blanket statement makes sense, right? But a you know, universal currency that can move quickly, right? That's what crypto is made for, right? And, and it's true that, you know, Ukraine has made $30 million from crypto in the, the past few days, right? 20 million of that was, you know, interpersonal donations from their Twitter. And then basically big crypto exchanges came on and said, yeah, you know, we support you being a, a, a free country. Um, and crypto has gone back up. Crypto was up 8% yesterday. Yeah. Well, that's um, not just due to Ukraine. Uh, following Bitcoin, we talk about this a little bit later today, um, or actually in, in, in about an article. Um, but we talk about the price of Bitcoin versus the Russian ruble and uh, what's going on there. But before we get to that, I just wanted to bring up, there's this really cool uh, NFT project that I came across today on Cointelegraph.com where this artist actually generated 7.9 billion NFTs. 
as a social experiment uh, and a statement for the number of humans that are currently on the planet. Um, it's said that like many of them were not different from each other, but just the mere fact that they created that many and, uh, you know, for every single person to to have, so to speak, it was it was an interesting and small article. Uh, one NFT per human in existence. And then the uh, the second half of the article talks about Pixelmon, which I think you've mentioned a couple times, which is funny. But I don't know if you heard what the Pixelmon project uh, had some controversy recently with their most recent drop having some like really bad art. And, um, you know, they put out a discord message in their server saying, we apologize. We felt pressured to release art that wasn't ready yet. And so, um, yeah, just a bad look on them overall. Yeah, that, that, that was getting called a rug pull. Like, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, basically, they, that, okay, you know, I understand that they may have been forced to rush their art, but the art that they showed, like, that's like, I mean, that's ridiculous. For a project with 400,000 followers that released images, like, some of the images they released on, you know, FTSers on social media were so detailed and so nice. And then these images, they look like, I'm sorry, they look like they were from, from Roblox, right? And <laughs> Roblox doesn't have great art. Uh, it's got quite a community, quite a bit of meaning behind it, but they look like it was like ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if the project is absolutely a rug pull, um, but it's it's pretty close. It's, it's not what it was brought out to be. Yeah, definitely not. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens with that project in the future. But sad to see something that I've heard so, so much good about kind of just put something out that looked so bad, but. Anyways, let's get into a real topic here as we make our way through halfway in our list of news. So last week we brought up, uh, we talked about geopolitics, Jacob, and how they affect, uh, you know, cryptocurrency and NFTs in general. And so we, we dug into this Ukrainian war that's going on between Russia and Ukraine and uh, Russia being the aggressor and, you know, what have countries done that typically in the past has worked? Well, countries enforce large and wide wide sweeping uh economic sanctions upon russia which have depleted the ruble to the lowest it's been ever and um you know they're they're trying to get a stranglehold on the russian economy so that putin will back off of what he's trying to do and taking over kiev and the rest of ukraine so we saw the crash of Bitcoin when the war started, but then in the past week, especially yesterday and today, there have been huge spikes, 44,000, uh, uh, 45,000. I mean, Bitcoin has broken records. And why is this? Well, if the Russians can't get money through the ruble, they can do exactly what we were talking about before. They can do it with crypto. And so the U.S. government today and the Biden administration have been begging the decentralized exchanges to not allow wallet addresses in Russia that I don't know how they track, but they're like, listen, don't let the Russians get money through Bitcoin. Don't let them don't let them go through decentralized exchanges in order to get funds to, to get out of this financial stranglehold. Um, but I mean, that's what folks have been saying all along about crypto in general, at least from my perspective. I mean, this is the perfect situation for a country under economic sanctions, which previously in history has worked. But this is an answer to that. Truly, I think this is a possible answer 
to economic sanctions for Russia, they could simply just get money flowing through decentralized uh, methods. And, um, you know, yeah, somehow they can cash it out. Right. And then once they do, I mean, boom, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, uh, so they, they can't track the usage on the actual blockchain. Right. They can track they can try to limit the ability to turn that currency back into uh, tangible currency like, you know, U.S. dollars or yeah. rubles. Right. But uh, they're not going to have any influence of a, a Russian exchange. Right. And I'm sure there are Russian based cryptocurrency exchanges. So I think it's a great point that it is actually kind of an out for Russia at this moment. And uh, this is a big deal because this is every country's biggest political deterrent right now that doesn't involve boots on the ground or launching nuclear missiles into Russia to to stop them from what they're doing. Every country has come forward to say, we're going to put economic sanctions on Russia. And we, we keep putting more and more restrictive sanctions on the country that basically make it impossible for their economy to function. I mean, every major co economy that would be declared first world, first world co country with a first world economy, if you are not a part of the INF and really just like the whole banking system across the world, especially connecting to the uh, the U.S. market, I mean, that's a really big deal. That's a really big deal. And so being cut off from that is, is supposed, like I said, it's supposed to be a way to deter people. But here we are with, uh, you know, uh, Bitcoin going up because, well, you know, if I'm if I'm in Russia and I'm looking for a way to increase my money, well, uh, you know, Bitcoin just might be the way to do it. And so far, uh, that's been true. So yeah. we'll see how this kind of goes and what news comes out of this in the future, because I think that the U.S. Uh, especially is, is going to try to do something. I mean, we talked about this a few weeks ago, too, how, uh, you know, the IRS wants to get a, par a part of your money via taxes in the upcoming season. Uh, but let me just say this. It's been decentralized for a while. It still has some centralization, but, you know, a lot of it is, you know, as you were mentioning, Jacob, you can't track what's on the blockchain, but they can try to try to uh, deter the conversion. Uh, that's yeah. the thing. And, and I read that, you know, a lot of people are actually switching to stable coins instead of Bitcoin. Right. Which is which is interesting. It makes a lot of sense. You know, people instead of buying Bitcoin are buying USD Tether, right, which is not actually backed by the U.S. government. Right, which, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, that's something that could certainly be due to change. Uh, the fact that third party, uh, non-affiliated agencies, such as I think the agency is just called Heather, right? They, they make Heather, right? They determine uh, the supply, um, not absolutely, but, you know, basically it's, it's not made by the U.S. government. So people can just buy U.S. dollars in the form of crypto in Russia and sort of circumvent the entire process. Um, it's just it's just right there. So you know maybe United States wants to do something where they say, okay, we're the only ones who can issue tether for our own currency, right? Uh, you know, are they going to be actually able to enforce that? You know, probably better than probably more so than not because it's the government they can figure out ways. Uh, someone could just basically say, you know, they could, you know, someone could probably create a a non officially accepted tether coin as well. Um, but, you know, who, who knows really the logistics behind that? I do think it's, it's evidence for the United States to stop. Yeah. Saying, you know, well, Joe Biden has his first State of the Union tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern, Jacob. And it's going to be a really, really important speech. Now, 
I'm not trying to have any political bias here, but I'm I'm going to be really curious to see how Joe is able to get through his speech. I mean, you know, he be, he's going to be reading from a script pretty much the entire time like most most presidents do, which is perfectly fine. Um, I'm just, you know, I'm scared as an American to have him go off script at all, which is how a lot of people <laughs> felt about Donald Trump, right? The thing about Donald Trump was uh, sometimes he didn't make sense, which was a lot of the time. Uh, but at, at the same time, uh, he'd go off and use rhetoric that at least it was very simplified, but at least you could understand it. I found that when Joe Biden goes off on a tangent, sometimes he gets lost in his own thoughts and then he just forgets or what he says doesn't make any sense at all. I mean, sometimes when you have old men around in power, uh, they just forget what they're saying. Heck, I even forget what I'm saying sometimes if I go off on a tangent. So I can't imagine these dudes who are so much older than me uh, trying to to give some extremely influential and important speeches. I mean, the State of the Union is supposed to be something focused, well, mainly focused on domestic issues, but it always turns into, okay, how much foreign policy am I also going to talk about? So I expect to hear about the war tonight. We're going to hear about inflation oh, yeah. and gas prices because that's been really big. And then we're going to hear probably hear something about COVID, maybe. We'll see. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. I wonder if COVID will make its way in there. How, how long is this address? Uh, the address, I'd have to look it up. It starts at nine. I want to, well, okay, so here's the thing. The addresses really don't have an end time because uh, typically an address could go for half an hour, could go for 20 minutes, it could go for an hour. I could be wrong here, but I feel like, I, I want to Google this real quick. Does the state... The union have an official length. I don't think it's Yeah, I'm, I'm going to watch it too. Thank you for telling me about this. I, you know, I'm not, <laughs> I was not aware, but I will watch it tonight. So the 2020 State of the Union was about an hour and 18 minutes from Donald Trump, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. There's no there's no official watch time for it, Jacob, but it's definitely an important watch. Um, yeah, it's 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 a good one. It's a good speech for sure. Anyways, let's move on back to NFTs and of geopolitics and get mucked down and, and that sort of stuff. NFT vending machines. Well, that is a reality in New York City. Uh, this one artist uh, going out of their way to make. An NFT vending machine, but not for the purpose of what you think it might be, okay? Not to just get a get a snack of some kind. No, the article that this talks about, and uh, or the article talks about how they're trying to demystify the blockchain process, which for someone like me, it's still hard to grasp, grasp uh, in, in my opinion. That's that's my take. And so, you know, this, this is kind of a topic that we've uh, already covered in previous weeks before. Can't I just buy an NFT with my credit card? Can't I just insert a few dollar bills and all of a sudden I purchase an NFT? Why does it just have to be on this blockchain process? Well, this NFT vending machine, uh, people can can go there. They've got cheaper NFT, NFTs. They've also got more expensive NFTs. But their goal at the end of the day is to make it as easy as buying a candy bar. And I think it's a really cool. It's I think it's a cool like social thing to do. Uh, but at the same time, I, I think that it's really important that there needs to be an easier way for people to get into the space or else, 
you're going to keep gatekeeping people because they just don't have the time to put into learning about the blockchain. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. I think this is going to fail. Uh, I think it's interesting. I think it's cool, but I don't think it makes any sense. Uh, basically, they're selling pieces of paper that you can redeem on your phone at a later date for the NFT. Uh, I understand it in a sense. Yeah, you're playing with a credit card and it's going to uh, lower the barrier to entry, but I mean, it just seems silly to me. Um, you know, if you're doing this stuff, you're doing it on the internet to start with. You know, I mean, this it, it's like going backwards, right? It's like saying, okay, this is an internet-based currency. Let's make a in-person physical way to buy it. Um, it it's it's not it's it's a niche thing. It's cool. Yeah. I bet it is is centered in an artsy kind of aura to basically promote the blockchain and promote whatever underlying internet-based asset is is backing the machine. Um, I don't think this is a, a long-term anything. Um, I don't know. That's that's my thoughts. Yeah, I I don't see it lasting too long, but who knows? I, I thought it was a cool article. I mean, it's on the Guardian, so you know, it's, it's cool for sure. It's cool. It's cool. It's trendy. Here's something that surprised me today, Jacob. The Harvard Business Review has put out an official official like blog here about. How brands should be interacting with NFTs in 2022. The Harvard Business Review, from what I know, is a pretty pretty official place for businesses to go uh, and brands to go for for advice. I mean, it's it's the Harvard Business Re Business Review. I, I've I found that it has a pretty credible background. It's a dot <laughs> org, right? So I think it's crazy to see just how mainstream. NFTs have gone so far, and it's only March 1st right now in 2022, and we're already getting articles about, hey, hey, brands, uh, this is how you should be using NFTs because everyone else is doing it, and if you're not, you're missing out, which, I mean, look at us. I think this is a perfect plug for Zensportsia, the metaverse of the future athlete. Crazy. We've got an NFT drop that's going to be coming around here at the end of the month we are less than a month away now jacob what what else can can you tell the people at home about this project absolutely uh we actually just revealed our roadmap um so i'm gonna link that here in the uh in the chat but uh yeah i mean it's exciting i think there's there's a lot of ways brands can use nfts right basically it's a it's an immutable and forever token of authentication right so if we promise to host you know, monthly blockchain esports tournaments that are exclusive to NFT holders, right? And you, you guys have seen us do this for quite some time. You know, you know that if you're a, a blockchain gamer and you want to mm -hmm. support the ecosystem that's mm -hmm. pushing that forward, right? Play in Splinterlands tournaments, but also Apsi and then, you know, Place War and then Skyweaver and then Alluvium, right? When those games are ready to run tournaments on, you know, you'll understand the value there. You know, you'll understand that it's, it's a forever thing. Um, so I think it's awesome. I'm linking the blog post now. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to, to share the roadmap, share all the awesome tournaments we have planned for Zen Sports teams. Yeah. I think it's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's pretty big. I was taking a look at that roadmap today, Jacob, and I just did not know the size and the scale of what 2022 has to offer. So feel free, guys, to check that out. Check out that blog post. Look at the roadmap. Read it carefully because I guarantee if you're a part of our community watching this right now, there is definitely something in there for you. I mean, the $10,000 invitational alone to either participate or if you're watching it, I mean, crazy, crazy. Yeah. And all you have to do is be an NFT owner. 
Yeah, I think that was a great idea for us to do, right? So it's not entirely focused on just the gamers, mm -hmm. uh, right? It's gamers and it's also, you know, people who have came to watch our tournaments, right? People who may not, I'm not the greatest video gamer of all time. I could not beat Biz in anything. I could not beat Dodger in anything. Uh, but I do like watching. I watch a lot of Twitch. I watch a lot of YouTube. And basically what we're doing is, you know, $10,000. You know, this is for a specific tournament for Axie Infinity, but $10,000 in prizes for the players, right? And then $10,000 split amongst people who own the NFT and stake their NFT on whoever they, they think is going to win, right? So let's use, let's use Axie for an example, right? Uh, Elijah, Elijah MTA. He's a very, 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 very good at Axie player. Yeah. Right. If he's in this tournament, which, you know, I'm not going to say he is, but if he gets probably likely. Uh, and if you guys want to basically take your Zen Sports that you own, stake it on him, you know, in a bet or a, a guess that he's going to win, you know, people who do that will share $10,000 in prizes as well. Uh, so it's, it's good that, you know, we're not, it's not only the players, right? Because I think this industry is a lot bigger than just the players. It's everyone involved in the ecosystem, people who are just getting started. Uh, people who like watching more than they like playing, which is totally yeah. cool. Um, so there's a lot of value there for everybody. And then, you know, sports betting and, and casino operations as well as included kind of in the utility of the package. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's going to be pretty nice, pretty, re really, really cool. I'm excited. I uh, it, it even got me thinking about trying to participate myself. So we'll see. I may not be allowed to, but hey, I, I'd love to. I'd love to give it my all. So no, we'll you see. can play, you, you can actually play at any tournament you want to, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I don't think you can take your prize. So I don't want I any prize. I just want the glory of being first yeah. place. That's really that, what it yeah. is. <laughs> That's what's up. <laughs> okay. So uh, super cool about Zen Sports, you guys. Feel free to keep checking it out. We'll talk about it at the end again, too. But this one I thought was really cool because this references uh, an article that we talked about last week with Stephen Colbert who was making political jokes or not political jokes. He was making satirical jokes on the NFT wanting an AFT, which was an actual effing thing. And DC actually did something and created an AFT. So DC, like many other big brands and celebrities bought a bored ape and they've put it into one of their comics that they uh, released recently. So you don't need to buy an NFT or anything to buy the comic itself. It's it's just one of their comics. But um, it's so cool to see them repurposing this super popular project within mixed media. And it's it's going to, I, I think it's going to continue to be a trend where we see brands that want to use uh, these, these trending and viral projects in their media, in their content for future use because people go crazy over it. I mean, how many people are now going to go out, buy a physical copy of that comic and say that, hey, I've got a physical copy of this comic with this in it? I mean, it's going to be a collectible. I think over mm -hmm. time, people are people are going to want to collect IRL pieces of, of work that have bored apes included within them. Yeah. I think it's it, cool. It could be a thing. Who knows? So... Yeah, so they basically included imagery. They did a, a, a reprint of the comic series, not a reprint, but an additional series. Whoops. Uh, that's my timer, by the way, to uh, withdraw or claim my funds from the detonator on EMP money. Oh, my um, gosh. <laughs> I did it earlier because I knew we were kind of close. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, it's great. I was talking to an old colleague of mine, and, you know, he was saying how, 
uh, we kind of talked about how, you know, Board A Club was like the new phase plan, right? And he was saying it's more exclusive. And I said, no, it's not. You know, there's, there's not 10,000 members in phase, um, which is kind of an interesting thing on its own. It doesn't really connect to this, but it, it's showing you that, you know, Board A has the ability to, you know, attract people and, you know, just the branding itself can be used in, in other forms of content. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool to see. So I I'll be I'll be excited to see if anything else like this pops up in the future. I mean, really cool to see uh, DC Comics continuing on and uh, kind of adding stuff in there. I'd, I'd be curious to see if Marvel if they were to ever do something like that. Probably not because their their characters themselves are just so big that uh, you, they don't need a board ape to boost up their comics or their universe at all. But hey, good job DC. You uh, you hopped on the train, you got on and. People are chugging along right with you. So pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff indeed. Um, Nintendo, more specifically, well, we'll get to Nintendo, but Pokemon, the largest IP in the world, releases Pokemon Scarlet and Violet through a first trailer release. There was a Pokemon uh, present uh, earlier or later last week. And um, at the very like last few minutes of the video, they reveal a brand new Pokemon series, which is believed to be Generation 9, coming out in later of 2022, which is just crazy. Because Legends of Arceus or Pokemon Arceus Legends was literally just released months, like just a few months ago at the end of 2021. Uh, you had uh, Pokemon Snap in 2021. You had Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl in 2021. I mean, they are just putting out games like nobody's business. And if you think COD has a crazy release of games, look at Pokemon right now and what they're doing in all of these different formats because it is certainly... I feel like it's just certainly unmatched right now because they've got the mobile market, the Switch market... Um, you know, and then, you know, they don't really have any games on PC because they don't need games on PC. <laughs> they, they've got enough going on, on phones and on the Nintendo switch that, uh, there's really nothing for them to, to do with that. So it's, it's really cool to see really, really cool to see. And, uh, obviously a new generation brings a lot of fun. This one, uh, definitely is inspired by Spain and uh, the 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 three new starters: a grass cat, which people are dubbing Weed Cat, um, <laughs> named Spriga, Sprigagito, uh, Fuecoco, which is a, a a lax fire crocodile, and uh, Quaxly, uh, water type uh, that just has like a little looks like a better looking duck than the previous ducks they've had in Pokemon so far. So. Gonna be really interesting to see how these uh, final evolutions turn out for this new Pokemon game, but yeah, it's it's gonna be good. Next up, something that's actually really sad and bigger for the gaming community: Evo 2022, one of the largest fighting game events of the year, had a, gets a notice from Nintendo. Nintendo, as if the Nintendo community needed another kick while they were down. Okay. The Smash community is is one of the most beat on communities by Nintendo because the Nintendo just doesn't want to have a competitive scene for I guess. They just don't want to have fun because they have forced the largest fighting event of the year to drop Super Smash Bros from the roster. They've been doing 
Super Smash Bros. since tw- 2007, which I believe oh. is around the time of Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Um, and, the, you know, uh, and, and the other Super Smash games, right? Uh, Melee, Project M, stuff like that. So it's really sad to see a cease and desist on Nintendo's part to Evo because it's such an influential uh, event uh, in person for some of the top players in the scene. And it really kills the vibe big time if you're a competitive Smash fan. I mean, this is what people, you know, work up for to be the Evo champion of Smash. Yeah, why, did, why do you think they pulled out? Because Nintendo doesn't like people making money off of their what? game. I mean, it's it's interesting that they want it to be a casual game, which I'm not against. Uh, but it does seem weird to like exclude the people who want to play it. But that's the thing is that this is not the first time. That's why I said, while the community is, you know, kick the community while they're down. The competitive Smash community has been beat down time and time again because they attempt to put together these huge grassroots events because. Nintendo's not putting any any support into official esporting events for Smash, you know. If they were, that'd be a different story. If Nintendo was truly running Super Smash Brothers tournaments around the country on a yearly basis that were super big and exciting, people wouldn't complain about these grassroots getting shut down. But it's just sad because these major organizers know that there's big money to be made off of players coming, and Nintendo says, no, you're not going to make money off of our game. I mean, that's just speculation on my part, Jacob, but what no, else could sense. it be besides them not wanting their IP to be used as well outside of them using it? You know, I, I feel like that's yeah. also a part of it, too. So at the end of the day, it's really sad to see, but, uh, you know, they're the company that owns the game. So either uh, somebody, you know, you know what? You know what should replace it? Remember that Nickelodeon All-Stars game that uh, came out at the end of 2021, released at the beginning of 2022? That's what should replace Smash, let me tell you. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't oh, know my gosh. Like Look that. it up, dude. It's, an, it's a Nickelodeon fighting game with all these retro uh, characters, bro. It's hilarious. Oh, that's cool, actually. Like, Buttered oh, toast, cool. Butter toast Man is overpowered, bro. Overpowered. <laughs> you know, I've definitely seen something about Buttered Toast recently. Yes, yes. It, it, was, it was a meme like a couple months ago. Uh, with with the game release, it was a lot of fun. Anyways, Jacob, you uh you had something uh pretty big in terms of Splinterlands drops or uh, yeah. news in general. Yeah, so the the last piece of news, I'll link the article uh here in the Twitch chat in the the Theta chat. There we go. Um, it's that Splinterlands basically replaced their bridge mechanic with Terra Block Bridge. Okay. Um. Okay. So that that link didn't work incredibly well. Um. <laughs> it, it really did um but we could talk about it kind of regardless um basically you know it, it's a partnership which means that terra block is probably play, paying splitterland something and basically all transactions that go from blockchain to blockchain um are going to require the usage of the terra block bridge right they're not going to be able to be used they're not going to be able to be done using the existing bridge i don't know what the existing bridge was uh, I don't know. It, it may have just been the Binance Smart Chain bridge, but you know this bridge basically charges higher fees, right? It charges half a percent um, to do any transaction, and it doesn't look like there is any cap on the fee, right? So half a percent is a reasonable amount of money. Uh, if you're sending a million dollars worth of SPS, uh, that's something like five thousand dollars in fees that you're paying. Um, and people weren't happy about this, right? The, the top comment on this article was Dave McCoy, who runs uh, he runs 
uh, Team Possible Guild, right? We worked with them pretty closely at the start. Um, and he said it was, it, it's not a good idea because it it's like takes away from the roots of the game, which is low cost, great game and rewarding. Uh, this this is this is like a, this is a partnership and this is a, a revenue generating partnership for Splinterlands. And it's it's them monetizing their audience, uh, which is understandable and it's how things work. Um, but that's really what it is. It's it, and it is a better bridge probably than what they had at the start, but they wouldn't sacrifice quality. I'm sure the speed is up. Uh, I'm sure the re reliability is up, but the, the bridge is going to cost more money. Um, so, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just an interesting thing that happened. I think people were split on it. Um, you know, all the comments are saying, you know, this is, this is too much money. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what it is. It's a big deal. Uh, big, big thing for us, uh, for TerraBlock. So yeah, it's interesting to, to see if they're going to be getting any royalties out of, uh, the transition from, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is the money and that's being transferred from the blockchain from Splinterlands to, to, to the block. Oh, geez. You know, I listen, Jacob, my understanding of this is still not at expert level, but we're yeah. getting there. I promise we are getting there. I so guess basically what I'm trying what to say is, is TerraBlock going to make any money off of the transfers? Oh, yeah. They're being used oh, yeah. as a bridge. Oh, yeah. That's, that's where the 0.5% comes. I would say the 0.5% is probably split between Splinterlands and Terrablock, right? So each of them makes 0.025 on each transaction, yeah. right? What this bridge allows people to do is basically link assets from, uh, from Hive to other blockchains, right? So gotcha. if I want to send my card or my SPS tokens from Hive to the Ethereum blockchain, just for whatever sake, there's not really too much reason to do it right now. Um, the main is basically withdrawing the token and, and selling it on Binance for, uh, you know, real money. Um, that's what this allows them to do. It's a money point, right? TerraBlock, I'm sure, is playing Splinterlands because of their network. It's marketing for their project. It's also immediate revenue through the transactions. Um, and Splinterlands is making some of it back through just allowing it, um, right? That's kind of how it works. Yeah. Okay. Sounds about right. Sounds about right. Appreciate that. Wow. What a list of news, crypto, uh, esports, NFTs, geopolitics, that sort of stuff. Insane. Uh, Jacob, I just saw uh, something on my feed that said that the State of the Union is actually at 8 o'clock, not 9. Uh, just, just keep an eye out. You'll, you'll see most news channels and the internet talking about it for sure. Um, it's going to be big. But thank you to all of you for coming out today uh for our video definitely means a lot if you enjoyed this video please subscribe like leave a comment below let us know what you'd like to hear about next time and more and then one final shout out to emp.money thank you so much for being our sponsor for all of our videos tournaments and events uh folks if you want more info on that uh please go check out emp.money or hit up jacob because he is actively staking every single day um he he's he's ready He's he's getting into it. Absolutely. Yeah. And thanks everybody. Thanks Love for them. watching today's video. And until next time, we're out.